Welcome to a special Yom Kippur edition of The Pen and the Yod. Join Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshe Emmet Synagogue in Chicago and author Jonathan Eig as they talk about tshuva in the age of Google. Can you remember a world before Google? <laughs> oh yeah, I can remember it quite well and quite uh, pleasantly. I, I sometimes yearn for those days. When, Do you uh, really? Yeah, you know, it's it's... I don't know that it's a good thing that we remember everything that, uh, you know, we're ranked by our popularity that, um, you know, everything is instantly searchable. I was talking to my, uh, one of the teachers at my daughter's school the other day, and she said that, um, they teach differently now because everything's on Google. Like, like you don't need to teach the state capitals. You don't need to teach the rules of grammar. You don't need to teach the names of the presidents because they can get all that on Google. What are we teaching? Maybe it's better. Maybe we're teaching kids to think for themselves. I don't know. It's, it sure is different. I was talking to uh, Carl Bernstein in a conversation that'll be broadcast Yom Kippur afternoon, and it was a fabulous conversation. And he said, I was talking to him about social media and whether that was a boon or a bane for reporting. And he said, you know, that Google is an amazing tool, that you can look things up that would take an afternoon or a couple of days to find out, like, where does someone live? What kind of job do they have? How do you locate somebody? So that we can't discount the positives of Google, but when we become too dependent on it as a tool of reporting without wanting to do the work, the necessary work of actually sitting down with somebody, having a face-to-face -face conversation, then we've really lost something. Oh, there's no question about that. You know, um, I can go back and find on Google in just a few minutes all of these, you know, dozens and dozens of interviews that, you know, people like Andrew Young and Jesse Jackson have given up talking about their relationships with Martin Luther King. But there's no competition, no no comparison between that and, and getting in the room with one of these people and interviewing them and looking them in the eye and saying, what was he like? What was it like? For you to be in the company of Martin Luther King, you just can't, you can't, that human connection is still so important. And, and I feel like, you know, Google's one reason that, that we lost some of that human connection. We don't pick up the phone and call somebody to ask them a question anymore because we can so often find it at the touch of a finger. But what other questions or what other information might come up in that conversation that you never thought to ask? Uh, if you hadn't picked up the phone or gone and knocked on someone's door and sat in their living room to interview them. That is very true. And I suppose you can also then talk about the information you're looking at is a really reliable, right? Oh, absolutely. So, right. Right, how, how dependent are people on things like Wikipedia, right? Because you don't really know who wrote that and how factual it really is and from what perspective did the person write. I think that's very real. And I guess the other thing that I would put into the mix here is that Google does not have the ability to forget anything. Whatever you've done in your life that has made it to Google doesn't go away. You may have changed. There is no forgetfulness on Google. And therefore, and from a Jewish perspective, that kind of brings us to a conversation on Yom Kippur, that there is no ability to make tshuva on Google. There's just nothing you can mm. do. It just sits out there. And, you know, people's lives are very much affected by what shows up when, you know, when you click on somebody and the first thing you see is some event that may have taken place more than a decade ago, that person has paid for, has been publicly shamed, may actually have uh, served time. But all you look at is the original news reports and say, oh, 
Well, that's who we're thinking about, as if that person did, hasn't evolved, as if, you know, that person didn't make tshuva. And, you know, here comes Yom Kippur to say one of the greatest concepts that Judaism has given the world is the notion that time is cyclical and you can come back and you can acknowledge your wrongs and you can go off on a different path and that God will forgive you and that God is willing to start with a clean slate. And if you expect God to forgive you, then the logic goes, then you have to be willing to forgive other people as well. And so this idea that you can actually make tshuva, that God doesn't expect perfection, and God understands that we are neither wholly good nor are we wholly bad, but we're human beings and that we're constantly be making tshuva. That's a concept that in some ways we may be losing in our society. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, whether Google is undercutting our ability to, you know, forgive and forget to use the cliche. I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, this is probably... 15 years ago or so, um, I heard from my mother that my neighborhood bully, the kid who had really tormented me in school, uh, elementary school, Douglas Miltier, his brother, who has also been a bully, like was also a bully, is, and the, the, the Miltier boys really terrorized our neighborhood, that Douglas's brother was was calling people and apologizing. He's calling his old teachers. He, he had literally beaten up some of his teachers and was calling oh to apologize. Wow. Um, so I called. I got curious about this. I called um, Douglas's brother. And I said, whatever happened to Douglas? You know, because I heard that he was, you know, Douglas's brother, Clinton was his name, was Clinton Miltier, was trying to apologize. And he told me that Douglas had died recently of AIDS and that he had a very difficult life and that um, he too had tried to, um, you know, apologize to some of the people he'd hurt, although he'd never reached out to me. Um, I felt moved by this and I decided to write a story about the Miltier boys and their journey. And the irony is that I wrote this beautiful story that the, the, I think the most of the Miltier family um, appreciated, but it lives now on Google for the surviving Miltier boys who are upstanding citizens and trying to, you know, make a living. And they're, they're not famous in any other way. This is the only thing, the first and only thing that comes up when you Google them is the article I wrote saying that they were bullies. So this attempt at Shuva actually, you know, in some ways went awry because of Google, because I ended up leaving this, this stain on their names um, by writing this article that I thought would be a largely positive and, and a complimentary one. As you were talking, I was thinking one thing you know for sure is that there's going to be a Yom Kippur next year. Mm -hmm. And you and what I can tell you for a fact is that you and I, God willing, that will be there, um, will be in a different place in our lives. That whatever issues that we're facing, we'll have new ones next year. And the point I want to make is, is that the idea of time for the Jewish people is one that, that is in motion. Time is always moving on, to borrow the old adage. Right? Time marches, and so, and we evolve with time. What happens on Google is the time gets frozen. Whatever you were talking about in that article and how you were portraying these boys went back to your childhood and some more recent things. But, you know, I could look that up today and say, gosh, this is who these people are now when have no idea 
of how they've evolved or what kind of courage it took to call people up and apologize, right? Right. How many right. people would actually do that in this world, right? That's a remarkable thing to do. And that, by the way, is real chuva. And you go forward. What people could do before Google is that if you lived in a place and you had done something heinous or something regrettable and you could never shake it, you could move somewhere else where they didn't know you. That doesn't exist anymore. There's no place where you don't, they don't know you because you can Google it. Right. And it's a really interesting issue because between us and God, and that's, by the way, how tshuva is understood, that we're talking about when we open the machzor, we're talking about the things that we have done that has impacted God, that we shouldn't have done, maybe misuse the gift of speech, or we didn't share our resources. We didn't you know, turn them into blessings. All those ideas impact my relationship with God. But tshuva, as we understand it from the prayer point of view, is between us and God. To make tshuva with another person, you have to go to them. You have to apologize, exactly what these guys did. You have to sit with them. You have to try to make amends. And most noteworthy, if you are presented with the same situation which you failed the last time, you're, this time you're going to do it properly. And that's how you go forward in life. But unfortunately, I think Google kind of keeps us frozen. Wow, it's really interesting. Maybe Google just makes means that we have to we have to chuva harder, uh, that we have to uh, you know put in more effort. We have to work a little harder to uh, overcome the, the hindrances that Google has created. I you know I think there's a lot to what you're saying, and I hate to quote Rod McEwen, but I will, um, <laughs> in a shameless act. But he once said something along the lines of that first people um, create the machines. And then the machines or technology recreates people. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And we should be careful as we think about that. Well, I wish you an easy fast. I wish you that you and all of us will be written in the book for a year of life and health and, um, and fulfillment in the year ahead, Jonathan. Thank you, Rabbi. Shana Tova. Shana Tova.